Hey guys, it is Gina and Ed, part of the Liberty Block, and we have the pleasure today of interviewing 10th U.S. 10th District Congressional Candidate Richard Spear. Uh, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Yes, 10th sir. District of North Carolina, you should tell them. Yes, 10th District of North Carolina, encompassing nine counties, uh, including Gaston, Lincoln, Catawba, Iredale, Alexander, Burke, a little bit of, what is that, Caldwell, Catawba, Alexander, I think I got them all, Cleveland. You got a little Mecklenburg too, right? Uh, no, a little bit of Gaston and a little bit of Rutherford. Rutherford, that's the one I'm forgetting. Right. And what? where's your original stomping ground at? I'm sorry? What is your original stomping ground? Where are you from? Well, Lincoln, Lincolnton's my home, Lincoln County now. Um, I came to North Carolina in 1976. Uncle Sam sent me here. I spent 21 of my 22-year Army career retiring from Special Forces at Fort Bragg, uh, one year out in Colorado. I retired in Fayetteville, and then in 2013, Duke Energy moved me over to this side of the state. Oh, wonderful. What did you do with Duke? Uh, I was a in the corporate office. I did a lot of program stuff, uh, originally with Progress Energy pre-merger, uh, set up to implement a new security rule issued by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And then with the merger of Duke, I set up their fitness for duty program for the combined company for our nuclear uh, uh, assets out at Kings Mountain. Uh, they then sent me to D.C. to work with the Nuclear Energy Institute for two and a half years on security policy for the entire industry. And then I finished up with the uh, programs at Duke Energy, implementing a computerized uh, battle simulation uh, software, if you will, to be able to evaluate uh, security at all the sites uh, and evaluate changes prior to implementing them. Well, that sounds pretty impressive. <laughs> it sounds impressive. It sounds like there was probably a lot of red tape as well. A uh, good bit of it. I got to view a lot of that with the federal government. In fact, between my army career and my nuclear career, I dealt with uh, just about all the gun carrying federal agencies, FBI, CIA, DIA, uh, uh, DEA, ATF, the Justice Department, State Department, uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, Department of Energy. So, and that didn't scare you off from running, huh? Uh, actually, it gave me more incentive to run to try and fix some things. There you go. Well, can you let us know um, why you're running and what made you take that leap? Well, I'm running because I think our, our country is, is headed towards a cliff right now. Uh, our budget is out of control. Uh, when we sent Patrick McHenry to Congress uh, 17 years ago, our national debt was seven and a half trillion dollars. Today it's over 30 trillion dollars, quadrupled, and I haven't seen him do anything about it. Uh, prior to him getting there, obviously, back in 1980, we created the Department of Education, supposed to improve education. Uh, Pew study from 2017 in our international uh, competitions, we're no longer one, two, and three. We're now down in the high 30s, 38, 39, 40, uh, in standings around the world. Uh, that re same research showed that only 22% or about four out of every five of our, or one out of every five of our students were proficient in math. Only 25% of our high school seniors or one out of four was proficient in reading. So there, there's another major problem with our government. And if you go agency by agency, they don't fix things. They just seem to, to exist, take up money. Yeah. Do you think it's the federal government's role to educate our children? Uh, it's not. It belongs at the state. In fact, last year's state convention, 
I led a uh, successful floor fight to amend our party platform to add in language that is our position that all uh, education dollars distributed by the state for the purpose of K through 12 follow the student to the education choice of the parent, be it public, private, or charter. And one of the things I will try and do if, if the good citizens of the 10th district uh, see fit to send me to DC is try and abolish the Department of Education. Send all that That's back to states and local communities. That's going to be a hard one, but you can at least fight against it. Abolishing it your first term, I don't know if that's going to happen, but you definitely could put up a good fight um, and raise some awareness as to where changes need to definitely be made. And part of, if I remember your story correctly, part of you wanting to reform the Department of Education was due to your personal struggle with learning with the uh, school system. Is that correct? Absolutely. So if you go back in the, when I was going to school in the 60s and early 70s, uh, dyslexia was not a well-known uh, problem with people. And it takes several forms. In my case, uh, what it did is it reorganizes the, the order of words and sentences. So suddenly things make no sense. So I had uh, a real difficult time reading and I'm not sure I ever read an entire book uh, the entire time I was in school. Uh, but I was sitting behind a plane with the 82nd Airborne Division waiting to deploy somewhere and waiting on the word from higher ups that we were going to go, uh, basically from the White House, are we going to deploy or not? And uh, had a pat pocketbook with me and started reading, couldn't, uh, got a couple pages into it, it made no sense all of a sudden. Put it away for a while, pulled it back out, and all of a sudden I just, it, it made sense and I discovered what I was doing and, and I think that's a huge problem for a lot of our students, uh, fortunately today we know about it, but we're still not fixing things in the public schools. What, go ahead, Ed, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, having done some research on you and spoken with you in the past, education is, seems to be your, your top priority. Is that fair to say? Well, it's certainly one of my top priorities. Uh, the budget is a high priority. Our defense is a very high priority with me. Um, I usually carry around, and unfortunately, I don't have one in front of me right now, pocket constitution. The constitution is very important to me. But yes, education, it's certainly one of my top priorities. And the reason for that is if we don't have an educated public, then we don't maintain a republic. Have you ever run for the Board of Ed or served on the Board of Education? I have not. Why, why haven't you run for Board of Education? I just... Uh, I guess it never really occurred to me. I don't have any children in, in public schools. I've never, never been married, don't have any children. Um, and it just never occurred to me to run uh, not being a parent, I guess. Is there any other um, federal institutions that you would like to abolish or reform? What falls behind the Department of Education that you think needs to be completely transformed? Well, I think it would be easier for me to say what should remain. As I read the Constitution. Probably less, right? <laughs> as I read the Constitution, I see a Department of Justice. I see a Department of Defense right in the preamble. When I get over to uh, Article 2, or excuse me, later in Article 1, I find a Department of Treasury, a Department of Commerce, and a Department of Interior. And finally, when I get over into Article 2, Section 2, I find a State Department. Beyond that, uh, we look at it right today, we have 13 federal agencies. So Department of Education could go, should go. Department of Energy 
should go. Uh, the nuclear weapons side of things to defense, their, their power side, their energy research side, uh, to the Department of Commerce, if any of it is, is kept in place. Um, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, should return to the states. That's not federal business. Health and Human Services should return to the states. It's not federal government's business. Department of Agriculture, uh, a few minor parts of it probably should go to the Department of Commerce. The rest of it should be abolished. That's not federal business. So what's uh, your plan others. for how you're going to abolish all these agencies? Well, I recognize that that's not going to happen with me being, or not going to happen in Congress per se. Uh, Congress is never going to vote on anything or vote for anything that will reduce their power. So that's term limits. That's a, that's a balanced budget, reducing the scope of government, uh, the size of it. Uh, Congress is never going to vote for that. So, I, so in that regard, I'll use my platform to get that message out to people towards a convention of states or similar constitutional convention. Uh, and while in Congress, uh, there's a number of special forces or Green Berets running for Congress this time, three in North Carolina alone. There's a number of SEALs running. All of us from the special operations community will tend to hang together. And I believe we can build a coalition that can block a lot of legislation that continues to fund these things and extend their funding, we can start pulling back on that. It sounds now, like, you know, it sounds, let me just ask this, Gina, and I'll let you do the next one. Sounds like you don't think you can accomplish these objectives that you want, but that you can use your, you can use a position in Congress as a platform to, to advocate for these views. And my question is, why would you be, why would you want to be in Congress advocating these views rather than just in the public sector, starting a foundation starting a PAC, you know, to advocate without being restrained by what the Republican Party says or what the Republican leadership says. Why in Congress? Why not in the public's private sector? Well, first of all, I didn't say we couldn't accomplish anything in Congress. I think by building that coalition that I was talking about, we can begin pulling back or pushing back on the funds allocated for those things and slowly whittle them away. Uh, as far as for a private foundation, actually, I'm already working with another gentleman uh, to put together a foundation. Uh, we've started building a website on that, but we're just not ready, quite ready to release that yet. Okay, and you had mentioned the Convention of States, and one of your other candidates running for Congress in the same district is a big um, advocate advocate for the uh, conventions of states, Dr. Magnata or dentist Magnata, DDS, I'm not sure, whatever. Um, but anyway, so what separates you from him since part of your platform that you're running on is the convention of states? Well, one of the things is I'm not specifically aligned with the, the uh, convention of states. And the issue there is there are a number of amendments that are potentially needed. And the Convention of States has, to my face, leadership from that organization has said that they will support any state legislation that seeks to create um, faithful delegates, if you will, that punishes uh, legally and financially punishes any delegates that offer anything behind beyond their three particular ideas, balanced budget, mm -hmm. 
term limits and uh, some readjustment of the scope of government. Uh, one thing that I heard recently that uh, folks would like to see is an amendment that specifically limits the Supreme Court to nine justices. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that that's something valid that ought to be heard. There's probably other ideas, and I don't like the idea of silencing other people. That Their voices should be heard, and their ideas either have merit or they don't. Uh, people are worried about a runaway convention, but it still takes 38 states to ratify anything that comes out of a convention. Mm -hmm. And then I also have another question. So I know you're running on a conservative platform. Um, my question is, are you a Christian conservative or just a conservative? I am a conservative. I, mm -hmm. I believe that this country was founded on Christian principles. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that those principles are very important. Myself, I am still on a journey to, to discover what is the real nature of that God to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Following up on Convention of States... What is your view on if a state wanted to withdraw from the union? My view on that is that it was a voluntary contract. And if you look prior to the Civil War, we referred to it as these United States. After the Civil War, we became the United States. Um, I, I, the, the court, the Supreme Courts were involved in that. I can't tell you all the details of that, but I believe that a state voluntarily joined the union and they have the right to voluntarily leave it. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, fair enough. And, and what are your top, what are, so I mentioned platform, what's your top platform ideas that you are running on? Well, I've made some campaign promises because mm -hmm. finances is important and government and limiting the scope of government is important. So three campaign promises that I've made in that regard are that I won't vote for any bills that have any subsidies, at least mm -hmm. so far as I or my staff can find them. All subsidies are is the federal government taking money from one party, giving it to another, choosing winners and losers. Right. Uh, the second thing, I won't vote for any bills that have any mandates. Mandates mm -hmm. are simply the government bribing people to do something that they can't otherwise legally require them to do. Mm -hmm. And finally, as I said earlier, I won't vote for any bill that extends the Department of Education funding. And what I mean by that is uh, they will have to reduce in actual dollars from current spending, the, the amount for the Department of Education, and they will have to agree to some period of years for the elimination of the Department of Education if they want to get my vote for the bill that contains those items. And who would have your vote for Speaker of the House? Right now, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly how that works in Congress, whether it's a whether splitting the Republican vote means that a Democrat could slide in. I'm not sure how that works. My preference, if I could nominate somebody right now, I believe would be Jim Jordan, uh, another constitutional originalist. Um, I, I don't know enough about how that particular vote works up there to say exactly how I would vote today. I, I need to find out more information on their processes. Right. 
what is your view of the of the right of privacy if any if any do you believe in there do you believe there is a right of privacy and if so what do you believe that right encompasses that's an interesting question so i do believe there is a right of privacy uh and it's spelled out in the fifth amendment the fourth amendment um and mainly in those two places there's some language in other places but i i'm also a student at liberty university and one of the courses that i just recently completed in my in my working towards my degree was on the judiciary and the paper the main paper for that course was to show to write to show how the right to privacy protected the right to an abortion uh, I read this in the syllabus prior to starting the course and then sent an email to my professor and said that that couldn't be done. Now, it was much longer words than that, uh, some of it quite graphic on how we create a child and what defines life and doesn't. And when under the Christian perspective, a spirit enters the soul, the, the body. And um, so I told him it couldn't be done. Uh, you can't use the right to privacy to justify murder. Uh, he wrote back to me, said, I agree with your positions. Can you write a paper that shows why you can't use that right to privacy to protect that action? And what are you going to school for right now? Uh, I am a student now? at Liberty University. Uh, so I did my professional careers before my education. As I got mm -hmm. ready to retire, I said, I want to get a degree. So I'm going to Liberty University and I am in the Jesse Helm School of Government and my degree is in government, politics and policy. Wonderful. Flames are awesome. So I think I told you before I graduated from Liberty. It's a great school. I'm not Very sure you school. did, but that. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, well, the, how does the right of privacy impact COVID policy, if at all? Well, first of all, uh, I don't think the federal government can, the, 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 the executive can just order people. Uh, I think that even Congress passing a law could have been challenged in the Supreme Court. So there's two pieces of that. I, I don't think it should have been a, a, an executive order. I think that was totally unconstitutional. It should not have come from an executive agency. I think that was unconstitutional. And I think as far as a law requiring it, I, I think that uh, when challenged in the Supreme Court, that would be found to be unconstitutional. What about a state level law? I suspect, given the language in the Constitution that says that the states will honor the federal Constitution, I think they would run into the same problem in that particular regard. Okay. And I just want to get your thoughts. So DHS um, has just put out that they are creating a special task force. I can't remember the exact name of it. And Ed, maybe you can help me. Um, the Office of Disinformation and Misinformation completely going against the go ahead disinformation yeah yeah um, completely going against the First Amendment and we've got a lady who did nothing but spread disinformation um, that they have pinned to target and lead this, <laughs> this new branch of DHS so obviously there's overreach there what would you propose. Well, the first thing I would propose is the elimination of DHS. Mm -hmm. Prior to the creation of DHS in 2003, I think, when we stood it up, uh, 
we already had a department charged with defense of this country called Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. So the creation of DHS in the first place never should have happened. As far as this new thing, I hadn't heard that. However, I, I think it's wholly unconstitutional. <laughs> totally violates the First Amendment. Yes. Go ahead. Ed. On March 14th, President Biden signed an executive order requiring all Whole, not all, but a whole bunch of federal agencies to study and comment on implementing a digital currency for the United States. What is your position on a digital currency for the United States? I think that's a horrible plan. I believe that at its root is nothing but the ability to track every American, every transaction that's made. Um, it has nothing to do with securing our, our monies. It has to do with controlling the people. Horrible okay. idea. Well, with the people's money, so Biden and Saki, they've all made it quite clear now um, that with the flick of a pen, they are planning on getting rid of all student loan debt. What is your stance on that? I think that that too is unconstitutional. It violates contract law. In addition, if, if they feel it's that important, I've, I've commented on this, that uh, we've got many of those universities out there with multi-billion dollar endowments. They want to pay it off with something. Let's take it from those endowments. Mm -hmm. if it's that important. But yeah. taking it from taxpayers, that, uh, that, that that's, that's wrong. Right. Well, I, I, I think even I think even Pelosi has realized it's wrong with her, the couple of the responses she's made. And something I did want to ask about was your views on border security and border policy. So I think that we do need to look at our immigration laws. Uh, I, our country, let's face it, our country is a nation of immigrants. And I can look at the, the different uh, fingers of my family that immigrated at different times from the 1600s all the way through, uh, at least as far as I know, through the 1830s or so. Um, so immigration is important to our country, but there's a legal mechanism. Do we need to look at our immigration laws? Absolutely. Uh, that being said, we have laws, they need to be enforced. Uh, personally, and I've said this before, uh, if it were up to me prior to completing this wall, I'd park four divisions down on the board for army divisions. Um, so I hope that answers that question. What role do you think the U.S. should play, if any, in defending Ukraine's border? Uh, at this juncture, none. Uh, so having served in the military for 22 years, having been on, you know, the, the what we call America's Guard of Honor, the first ones to deploy for, for any event around the world. It's important to have those resources, but prior to us committing any forces anywhere, we need to be able to answer three questions. What is the national interest to this country in deploying military forces? Two, how will we know when we have achieved those objectives? And three, what is our exit strategy? And if we can't answer those three questions up front, we have no business sending troops anywhere. Should we be arming Ukraine? Personally, I think not. And I, I take us back to George Washington's farewell address. 
that warned us about getting involved in the internal and external uh, politics of other nations. You started off your answer to the first question by saying at this juncture, what would was there an earlier juncture where you had a different view or and and or what would change your mind going forward? So nothing prior, but going forward, if we saw outright genocide, we may have a moral obligation to step in and stop outright genocide. Beyond that, I, I don't see a reason for us stepping in. What is your thought on the biolabs that the U.S. has been... That I'm they, sorry, I missed a part of that. What is your view on the biolabs that Victoria Newland admitted the U.S. is funding in Ukraine? Well, at this juncture, I'm not sure if that is real, if that is more of the misinformation that we're being fed out there. Uh, if that testimony to Congress, that, pardon me. She testified under oath before Congress that they, that they're there. Okay, I, I have not seen that piece. So, uh, if we have some, I think we're wrong. Plain and simple. And so, we've had nothing but sanctions um, against Russia and their allies. Do you think they are working? And what would you have maybe done different than this administration has been doing? Well, I, I, I do not think the sanctions are working, but I think that's a factor of the way the sanctions have been implemented. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've targeted individuals. Uh, if you're going to make them effective, you target the entire country. Do you think that refusing to take Ukrainian membership in NATO off the table was provocative to Russia? Well, I certainly think that Vladimir Putin could view it that way and others in Russia could view it that way. Uh, there was an agreement when the Soviet Union collapsed, basically, or it's my understanding was that, that we would not try and bring in the border states into NATO. Um, I mean, certainly, if the Soviet Union decided to try and take over Mexico or uh, pull them into their circle, we would have some issues down there. We would have some issues with that. So I understand that. As um, we did with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, it, exactly. Uh, you had the same thing there. Um, NATO itself is a whole interesting issue these days uh, that I challenge our are being in that organization any longer. I'm not sure that the initial objectives of that are any longer valid reasons. And when the majority of the uh, signatory nations are not meeting the uh, agreements, uh, I have some problems with our continued membership. What do you think is the threat to the United States from China? Uh, huge, huge threat, uh, both militarily and economically. Uh, we, we know that, you know, they think on a hundred year scale, we tend to think on a five year scale at best over here. Uh, they're seeking world dominance. Uh, 
So they're, they're both a huge economic threat and they're a growing military threat. Mm -hmm. Should the U.S. have free trade with dictatorships like China or Cuba? If we have free trade, I, I don't have an issue with that. Um, you know, there, there's an interesting little piece here. You talk about that, and, and, and some might suggest that we have no trade with them. So back in the 1960s, we uh, had an airplane shot down to you too. You might remember that with Francis Gary Powers. Gary Powers. And we had yeah, to... Uh, that was actually 1958. Or 58, okay. Eisenhower was president. Yep. Uh, we had to develop something new, which was the SR-71, which was built out of titanium. And where did we get that titanium from? The Soviet Union. We set up shadow companies to buy that titanium from Soviet Union because we don't have it ourselves. There are things around the world that we need uh, simply not trading because we disagree with a country politically. I'm not sure makes all the sense in the world. Gina? I think you're muted. Yes, I am. Sorry, my sorry, my son got home from work early. He was over here talking to me. Um, I forget what I was going to say now. I've distracted myself. I'm so sorry. What committees do you want to sit on if you get into Congress? I'd like to sit on the Education Committee. I'd like uh, the Committee that handles Department of Education, but I'd like to sit on the Defense Committee. I think my background there is sufficient to to help on those two. Um, there may be others that uh, I haven't really thought about committee assignments at this juncture. I know I remember what I was going to ask you. So election integrity is something that's been a hot topic for everybody. Um, the Dinesh D'Souza documentary is coming out, 2000 Mules, next week for audiences to see. Um, why do you think that it took a, a non-government organization and regular citizens to pull this data together rather than our government acting um, and getting all this data collected? Well, I think there's a lot of corruption in our government and, and frankly, in both parties. Um, we know that what, or we have our beliefs on the conservative side that there were a lot of shenanigans going on during the last election, and, and to be honest, with the last several elections. Uh, we have anecdotal evidence of that, but with the liberal majority in the courts around the country, a lot of things, a lot of cases have not been heard, and evidence has not been able to be presented. And in some cases, through those same courts, evidence has been allowed to be destroyed. So we will never prove many of those things uh, in the courtroom sense. Uh, I do believe that election integrity is, is of the utmost importance. Uh, you know, I, I'm reminded uh, in the early 2000s, after we went over to Afghanistan, and I don't remember the exact year, but I can remember after the largely deposing the Taliban in, in killing off al-Qaeda, uh, the Afghanis finally formed a government, a temporary government, and they held elections. And I can remember the joy on the Afghanis running around with their purple fingers. 
showing that they voted in, in they couldn't vote twice because they've got this purple dye they're going to show up with. Um, I, I would like to actually see our election laws changed in this country to vastly restrict absentee voting and if need be even make election day a national holiday, but vote in person. And, you know, I'm not opposed to the purple thumb to prevent people from her purple finger from to prevent people from multiple voting. Right. And if you if you restrict it to the largest extent to a single day, that multiple voting becomes that much more difficult to do. Right. Do you think the Democrat do you think the Democrat Party is a haven for pedophiles? I think that there are many in the Democratic Party, but I think that we've also found some in the Republican Party. So I, I don't think it's a matter of politics specifically um, because of some of their other policies. I, I tend to believe without any empirical evidence that it is more prevalent in the Democrat Party, but I have no empirical evidence to that. Do you think that you have white privilege? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, I just don't even know where to go further with that one. No. And can you define what a man is and what a woman is? Well, you know, biologically, a man has an X gene and a Y or X chromosome and a Y chromosome. A woman has two X chromosomes. And, you know, I, 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 I know where that question is coming from with our recent Supreme Court right. nominee. And it's, it's, it's real interesting, her answer, when you dissect that answer, that she was not a biologist, so she could not answer that question. But she immediately, in that answer, indicated it was an issue of biology. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> So with that being said, something that comes from the federal level, and I believe it's Title IX, but is all this transgender stuff that's being pushed in our schools. So how do we go about abolishing that as well from the federal level to make it fair um, to women and men and the transgender community for them to have their own organization if, if need be? Well, that's really complicated, gets into a whole lot of different federal policy. First mm -hmm. piece of it was education. And I said, education needs to go back to the state's period. Mm -hmm. so, so that eliminates a lot of the federal involvement in that. Um, Would you tie federal grants to not teaching that, those materials at, at the state level? Or would you consider that a, a mandate? Well, I think right now it's a mandate that I that teaching it is a mandate right now. Right, but I'm asking, would you have the opposite mandate, prohibiting the use? Well, of I would funds? eliminate the existing mandate given the power. But you would leave it up to the states if they wanted to teach their teach their students that. From my position in Congress, I would leave it up to the states. Now I'm a resident of North Carolina, so at the North Carolina level. I would fight with my or, or work with my legislatures, fight with them, argue whatever uh, is appropriate case against that type of thing. But again, it doesn't belong at the federal <laughs> level. It's not their role. I agree. I agree with that. If you get elected to Congress, what role can Congress or what role can you play in Congress in 
combating and responding to the inflation that we're seeing? Well, again, as I said before, I will work with, uh, and not just, but I'll work with the, the other folks from my background, the, the Green Berets that are, that are already there, that are headed there, work with Navy SEALs. Uh, there's a brotherhood there that, that ties us, that, that it's difficult to explain, but we're already tied there through our service. There are a few others, uh, Marjorie Green, uh, that have similar values that I believe we can build a coalition that we can stop legislation that continues to advance these things that are causing <coughs> problems. Well, let me, let, me, let me clarify my, let me make my question better. What do you think is the cause of the inflation? And if you know what the cause or causes are, what can you do in Congress to reverse those causes or to combat those causes? Well, there are several causes. One is our energy policy. Uh, and that actually takes several fashions. Uh, we're putting the brakes on fossil fuels, which are in the scheme of things relatively cheap. We are advancing the cause of green energy for a made up problem, in my view. Uh, the climate is changing. Well, climate has been changing for four or five billion years on this planet. It will continue to change and man is minuscule in the effects there. But when we're spending what we are on solar and wind that is far beyond what it will ever produce, that drives inflation. Uh, there's a recent one uh, uh, bill moving through Congress uh, to support a UN position on international shipping that will reduce shipping speeds by a third, which means longer at sea. And this is supposedly in the name of being green, but it's going to drive up the cost of things. Uh, just in the past year, the cost of a shipping container has gone from $3,000 to $36,000. That's huge. It's 1,200%. Uh, so, so there's, it's not one thing. There are many, many things driving this. What do you think the role of the Federal Reserve should be? And, and additionally, what oversight, if any, do you think Congress should exercise over the Federal Reserve? I, I think Congress should exercise oversight over the Federal Reserve. The, the Federal Reserve itself is an area that I am not well informed on at this point in time. Okay. And do you think we are going to go into recession from the, from the impacts of this inflation? All indicators right now are that that is exactly where we're headed. Uh, I know that they, they say that the inflation rate is at, I don't, 8% or something along that, that line. Uh, and yet on the products that the average American is buying, the middle class is buying food, gas, we see prices, price increases. Uh, I mean, gas right now where I'm at is it's up a hundred percent from what it was on election day. And, and that's, right. um, or actually from when, Biden went into office so a little over a year. We're up over right. 100%, 100%. Well, and they just released the numbers um, for this quarter, and I believe it's a negative um, 1.7 uh, in the GDP. Does that number sound correct? Have you guys seen that first today? Quarter. First, first quarter. First quarter, GDP yeah. Shrank. Well, and that goes to 
you know, right now with the budget that uh, Biden has has proposed for this next fiscal year, uh, five point. Uh, I believe it was $5.8 trillion when I looked at uh, 2021 GDP numbers. That means his budget is actually in excess of 25% of GDP. Is there anything since, since this past administration has taken office, and I think this is my last question, is there anything that this administration has put forth that you think should have garnered bipartisan support or would have had your support? Not that I can think of. <laughs> Not a single thing, no. Federal debt is $30 trillion. At what interest rates have been zero essentially since 2008? At what level of interest rate do you think the economy would crash? Not that the economy would crash. Let me ask a different question. At what level of interest rate do you think that the U.S. government risks a sovereign default on the U.S. debt? Well, you have a number of different interest rates we're talking about, and we're already seeing interest rates uh, climb. I just refinanced my home uh, this past fall at a little over 2%. Uh, looking at the same banks it, just last week, uh, that same loan is now for the same terms at 5.5%, and that's just in a matter of months. Uh, if I go backwards in time, the first house I bought, the mortgage on that was 18%. And at that time, U.S. savings bonds were 6%. Uh, if we had 6% that the government was having to pay for money today, uh, we would already be looking at defaulting. Right. 6% on $30 trillion would be about $1.8 just in interest payments. Just in interest payments, correct. And remember, not, you know, 40 years ago, a little over 40 years ago, that's where our, what, what we were paying on, on interest, on bonds. So if inflation is running at officially eight and a half percent, but unofficial tallies suggest it's probably double that, and 6% interest rates would, would risk a default, what can, what can the government do to stop inflation? First thing they need to do is is open up our energy reserves, get off the green energy kick, um, and cut the federal budget. You know, we spend just enormous sums, sums of money on things that the federal government has no business being involved in. Now, paying people to sit at home is just dumb. So getting rid of all the needless spending. Do you think that the U.S. should defend Taiwan if China, if China attacks? I have a uh, real hard time seeing what our national interest is there. Um, and I would have to look at what treaties we have with Taiwan, obviously, if we have legal obligations, then we need to fulfill our legal obligations. But I'm going to ask the American people, I'm going to ask every congressman, if China decides they want it, we will likely see World War III if we're going to get involved. Are we ready for that? Do we have a plan for that? Shanghai is locked down right now. 
as part of China's COVID zero policy. Mm -hmm. Do you think that COVID is still a threat? And if so, what should, what if anything should the government be doing? Look, we have faced numerous viruses. We will continue throughout human history to forward, uh, to, to face new viruses. One of the things that I go harken back to is the incidence of asthma today versus what it was just 40 years ago. And we have tried to isolate people from all these viruses and other items, other organisms. And that very isolation has led to higher incidence of illness. I, I think what, I mean, wearing a mask if a person chooses to, fine. Wiping your hands to try and protect yourself, fine. But the fact is natural immunity that you develop from getting sick is what protects the herd. Uh, so I, I think we grossly uh, overreacted to the, to the COVID virus. I think most of the world grossly overreacted to it. Do you think that the Republican Party is a conservative party? No, I do not. I think that there are many conservatives in the Republican Party, but I think a lot of the Republican Party is big government Republicans. I was just going to say, if you had any more questions, I don't have any follow-ups. I think that you've given us a wealth of information about you today and what you stand for, things that you hope to get accomplished. And I just thank you for joining us. Uh, Ed, I thank you as well for bringing up some wonderful questions and points tonight. Well, I thank you, Richard. Thank you, Gina. It's a pleasure. Good luck. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, we look forward to speaking with you in the future.